I want to read to you today's word, today's scripture from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verse 39 through 55. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, and Abraham, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Well, it was several weeks ago that I was backing out of the garage at the same time Terry was backing out of the garage in her car. And as we were getting ready to pull out, I looked down and and I grabbed my sunglasses. And as I looked up, I had this strange feeling. As Terry was backing out of the garage, I had the feeling that I was moving. Have you ever had that feeling? And it was like, freaked me out. And so I slammed on my brakes. Even though I was stopped still, I still had this feeling. And the only thing that stopped that feeling was by looking at the wall, something that wasn't moving. It was only by looking at the wall could I get the right understanding and see that it was actually her car that was backing out of the garage. Just a strange feeling. But I have a question for you. What do you do in that situation when the wall is moving? What do you do? That's kind of what it feels like these last eight months. You know, like everything that we look to for, like, stability in our lives have been turned upside down, right? Our our, our jobs, our, our families, our holidays, you know, kids actually leaving the house for eight hours a day and going to school on school buses and actually having time together with family, The things that really provide stability, the everyday things in our lives have been changed. And on top of that, within all of that, some of us have experienced the loss of loved ones and not being able to gather as a family together because of the restrictions or because we've been quarantined, we can't celebrate weddings or they've been delayed and Everything has been turned upside down. And and so what do we do in in a time like this? How do we begin to cope in the middle of this strange time? 
The question I have today is how do we navigate this time as people of hope? How do we navigate this pandemic, this crazy, messy Christmas season as Advent people? That's the question I want to ask today and the question I hope to answer. And I believe this Advent season is the perfect season to address it. You know, because Advent, as I said earlier, is a, is a looking back at God fulfilling his promise with the child Jesus, and then a looking forward to that same Jesus coming again. Advent season is a reminder to his people as we wait in this crazy time in between to live as Advent people, focusing our attention on him, the one who is truly unchanging the only being, the only thing in the entire universe that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's where he calls us to fix our eyes, not on the circumstances around us, but that's easier said than done. It's a very simple answer, but not so easy. And in today's text, in this Gospel of Luke, Luke records for us an example how we too can get some guidance for this time. You know, it's the story of Mary and her finding out that as a virgin, as a young teenage girl, she's going to give birth even though she hasn't been with a man. And she's already betrothed to a man, meaning she's as good as married in the eyes of her culture and in the eyes of her people. And so to be found with child that's not from her husband and not after they've actually been married would be taboo, would be the most shameful thing that she could bring upon her family. Not only just her life, but her family's life because everybody would then not only look at her, but who brought her up. And and what kind of parents teach their child to live like that? And not only that, now she has to go and she has to tell her betrothed that she's with child. And and what is he going to say? I mean, put yourself in these people's shoes. And not only that, in this culture, if if he were to actually take her to be his own, they would go back with him and live with his family. You talk about a strange time an awkward life. Everything in this young girl's life has been turned upside down, not just for one Christmas, but for every Christmas to come. For the rest of her life, she's going to be that girl. People would not have let her forget that. That would have stayed with her. That's Mary's life. That's what she's facing at the pronouncement that she is carrying the Christ child. What a great blessing, but at the same time, what a tough road. So the angel says to her, your cousin Elizabeth, she's also with child. You know, the one they said was too old to have children? She's already in her sixth month. So the angel sort of plants a seed in Mary, says you should go see Elizabeth. And so that's what she does. She heads off to see Elizabeth. 
And that's what we pick up the story. She goes to Elizabeth, and, and upon going into Elizabeth's house, she's greeted by Elizabeth. And John the Baptist, who is the child within Elizabeth, leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And, and they have this amazing scene, this beautiful scene, where Elizabeth confirms in her what the angel has told her. What an amazing thing. What a loving thing God does for Mary. This isn't just something you dreamt up. No, this is real. This is a second witness testifying to what God has done. And then Mary breaks into song. We would say probably the first Christmas carol, right? I mean, she breaks into this beautiful song where she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Mary is overcome with joy in the midst of what is going to be the strangest time in her life. Mary finds joy and peace. And I wonder if she thought ever that was the best Christmas ever. Probably. Probably. Mary gives us a secret here of how she accomplishes this. Read what she says again. Let's, let, me, let me tell you. She says, she begins, she says, my soul glorifies. She talks about what's happening within her. My soul glorifies and my spirit rejoices. Who says in contemporary worship songs, we can't say I or me or what God has done for me. But that's how Mary says. But then look how she turns it. From there on she says, For the Mighty One has done this. Holy is His name. His mercy extends. He has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered those. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has filled the hungry. He has helped His servant Israel just as He promised. Mary's entire focus was on God himself in the midst of this crazy time, this new life that she had never bargained for. She's fixing her eyes on God himself. And the way she describes him is one that is not changing. She goes back from 50 to 55, verses 50 to 55, and you can tell she's a student of the Psalms as young Hebrew girls would have been. Almost every one of those verses you can find in the Psalms promises about God's character and his oaths that he made. And he fulfilled every single one of them. And she would have probably recalled this prophecy from Malachi where the prophet says, God is speaking through the prophet, he says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. It was John the Baptist. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And Mary understands that that promise is coming true in her. And she understands that that promise is for her. Not just the world but also for her. See, I think within the Protestant church, we look at Mary and we sort of downplay Mary a little bit. And we don't, I don't believe, give Mary enough credit. You know, we kind of rail against Mary and we want to be careful there. But 
Mary is to be blessed. She's to be commended for how she carried the Christ child in in a crazy time. But we also see that Mary isn't perfect, that Mary's not a perfect mother. Mary's not a perfect person. She tells us that right here in this text. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Who needs a Savior if you're perfect? Mary understands she's not perfect. And that this promise that is within her is for her as well. And it's for the world. Because God remembers his promises. She finishes down here at the bottom and she says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Remember who Abraham's descendants are. It's not just the Hebrew people. It's those who are by faith, who live by faith in Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. Those are the true children of Abraham. This promise is for everyone. And Mary gives us this example that we are to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We are to keep our eyes focused on God. In the middle of what is the craziest time, she's giving us an example that we should keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That is how Mary navigated a world that had to have felt so strange. Not at all what she'd planned for. I'm sure that's not how she she thought the next year would go in her life. And I think Mary's telling us the same thing today. In the midst of this crazy time, the only thing that keeps us grounded, the only thing that gives us solid ground is God himself. It's keeping our eyes on Jesus. See, I think if Mary focused on what Joseph's face would have looked like, I doubt she would have gone back. I think if all she saw was Joseph and his family and she thought about everybody else and all the things that were going to go wrong, if she focused on that, chances are she never goes back. But Mary didn't focus on that. And I'm sure that's exactly what Joseph's face looked like or something very similar to that. Because we read in Matthew that when she tells him He decides to divorce her. He doesn't believe her either. But then we're told the angel comes and visits Joseph and tells him what Mary has said is true and to not be afraid to take her as your wife. Now see, what an amazing thing God does here. See, he told Mary what was going to happen, but he never told her what Joseph would do. Right? He never said, don't worry, Joseph is going to be good with this. No. She had no idea how Joseph would react. But she trusted in the Lord because that's where she kept her eyes. And as a result, she goes back and she tells Joseph and he decides he's going to divorce her. But then the angel comes and then she gets to look and see Joseph. And it says that he took her as his wife back to his home, back to his family. And now, not only Mary would face those looks, but Joseph himself would face those looks. And together, they walk this path, focusing on God's promises for both of them 
what had to have been just crazy times for each of them, what had to have been shame within their culture for the rest of their lives. But they kept their eyes fixed on Jesus, remembering again the words of the prophet, because I, the Lord, do not change. For you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God is the unmovable God. He's the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. In the midst of our tumultuous life, in the midst of everyday ups and downs, God doesn't change. His promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we feel our lives upside down, when we feel the world is moving too fast or too slow, and we can't keep up or we can't slow down, the psalmist reminds us to be still and know that he is God. The writer of Hebrews says to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's exactly what Mary did. And that's exactly what she is calling us to do. And Luke is reminding us. Remember, these words were recorded as from a young girl, but these words were passed on to Luke, who wrote this gospel, from a much older Mary, from one who experienced that life. And she still recalls these words and wants them shared to remind us when your life goes upside down, when what you thought was stable, your job, when you thought what was stable, your loved one, your spouse, when you thought all of that was, was, was there to give you strength and it goes away, that there's one that sees you, there's one that is with you, not just in the end and in the beginning, but now he is with us. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us then fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fix our eyes there. I said it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy because when, in order for us to feel the solid ground in the midst of really chaotic times, we should practice keeping our eyes on Jesus in the everyday times, in the ordinary everyday times of life. It's when we haven't done that and we've just been going along and everything seems stable, everything seems good, and we're reminded by a coronavirus that life is temporary and that nothing is the same. I mean, in reality, our lives are changing every day. It's just moving at a pace where we normally can adjust to it. But when something like this happens, it throws everything topsy-turvy. And we need a place to fix our eyes. And his name is Jesus. You know, you've seen ice skaters. You ever seen them do this, like, just ridiculous spin on the ice? You know, they're moving so fast, and you look at them, and they're going, how in the world do they do that? Right? I mean, because you ever done that with the bat? You know, you go around like this and <laughs> fall into a wall. And it's like, why don't they just fall over when they're done? Well, as I've read up on it, it's like, it's their eyes. The key is in their eyes. It's where they fix their eyes. And they learn to fix their eyes on a solid point, on a point. See, if they don't do that, their eyes start to bounce around and then they start to spaz and then that's what causes them to fall down. But they've trained and they've trained and they've trained to fix their eyes, fix their eyes, fix their eyes. The same thing is true for us. 
We need to learn to fix our eyes because when they, you look at them, they're going, how in the world did they do that? And they look at Christians and go, how in the world do you have hope in the midst of all this? How do you keep your sanity in the midst of all this? And it's where we fix our eyes. It's then that we get an opportunity, as we just spoke about in our last series, to, to share Jesus, that we fix our eyes there. He's the unmovable one. He's the one that will never change. And so we live as Advent people, remembering the promise of God fulfilled, the promise of the baby Jesus, and also the promise of him coming again. Because we know that God is never changing, that he cannot lie. He is always faithful. He is always true. When you find your life upside down, turning sideways, he is always there. These next four weeks, we're going to spend time reminding ourselves of God's promises. You know, and some of you might be saying, well, I I knew all this, right? I mean, I've heard all this before. But I'll take a page out of Peter's book. In 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, I know you know all these things. You've heard of all them before. But I'm going to remind you of these things as long as there's life in my body so that you won't forget them. And I want to remind you as long as I live so that after I'm gone, you won't forget them either. Because we are forgetful people and we need to be reminded that we are Advent people and to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus for the sake of Jesus and the sake of the world that doesn't know him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you and praise you for all that you do and all that you have yet to do. We know you are faithful and true and that your character is one of love and faithfulness. Father, we thank you and give you praise this morning. And we ask you to increase our faith. Help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.